This podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so. Some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast. Here at Coven of Rejects, we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs. While we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. What's up, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits? Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Gemini. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. A few things I want to talk to you guys about before this episode starts. First of all, you can now sign up for the personalizing your craft class with myself and the Enchantress over on the Coven of Rejects website. So covenofrejects.com, go like you're going to book a reading and it's the first option. It's personalizing your craft. It is the only service that has a photo on there. So I tried to make it easy for you guys to be able to go on there and find and then I'm really excited to announce that we have a spot that opened up on the Shadow Queen's mentorship tier. So for those of you that do not know, you can watch every episode of the Coven of Rejects podcast and lick it like a lollipop podcast by being a member of Patreon. You can go to any tier of Patreon, the beginner which is $5. You can sign up for any tier and have access to um, those full-length podcast interviews and then additional segments. And then each tier has its own perks. So every single tier gets that perk of being able to see all of the podcast interviews and some additional content. And then as you go up in the tiers, you get more content that's given to you. So... The crone tier for $20, you guys do get monthly readings with me. They are only email readings generally, um, but for the month of April, anybody who joins on that $20 crone tier is actually going to get a video reading with me. And then everybody, of course, who is on the shadow queen tier, that's where I do mentorship. So um, newly added into that mentorship tier, you are going to get free access to the full moon ceremony that Rampage and I host every full moon. So you guys will get that in addition to the one-on-one -on -one mentorship and um, the readings that you get with me and everything else monthly. So we do have a spot on the Shadow Queens tier that's open. Um, that is a limited spot, so there's only ever availability if somebody transitions out of mentorship. So if you would like to sign up for that or for any of the Patreon tiers, you can go to patreon.com slash coven of rejects. And that's also linked wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go and click on that Patreon while you guys are on the Coven of Rejects website, if you've never had a reading with me before, if you have some questions that you want to ask of me, um, you've just never been a client of mine, you can go and book the 30-minute consultation appointment. It's for $30, and you basically get my time for 30 minutes. So we can pull some cards. You can ask any questions that you might have. 
You can ask um, spiritual advice, anything inside of that 30 minutes for the $30. And again, that's available right where you would sign up for classes on covenantofrejects.com and then going to the spiritual sessions and scrolling down to that appointment time. Something that I cannot offer you guys on my website, but that I am offering is customized witchy boxes. So if you reach out to me on my email, on my website, and just let me know, or even TikTok and Instagram, and you just let me know that you would like a customized witchy box, you get to pick whatever theme you want. Uh, someone has picked a Lilith theme. Somebody else was vision impaired and a new beginner, and so I got her things that would enhance her other senses and a cauldron. Um, somebody else wanted an earth and crystal moon box. And so I was able to do that. So you'll really be able to pick whatever theme you want. And then I will customize a witchy box and send it out to you. So if you guys can contact me, email, uh, social medias, whatever, in order to get a hold of me, then I can get together a box for you. Something else that's very exciting. So you guys know that I really love partnering with shops that I believe in. So this podcast is sponsored by Lost Trail Coffee, which is owned by the Enchantress, who I co-teach classes with. And I've talked about the various ways that I incorporate her coffee into spell work and what you can do with that also. And then, of course, Kim Dunn at the Other Side Spirit Shop makes customized guest boxes every week for the guests that I have on the podcast. And I have um, Willow Moon on my mentorship tier, and she makes these incredible personalized herb blends. So she basically talked to me about... Um, things that I was wanting to work on mental health wise, physically struggles that I may have. Um, and then when we start talking about pain, she focalized that to where and what does it feel like? And um, then she did this spiritual session where she meditated and really connected with like my body and mind and made me herbal blends that are super personalized to me. They have helped me so much. Um, that she actually created a whole line called the Gemini Collective. And I'm so excited to tell you guys that we are creating a sponsorship fund. So anybody who orders products from this Gemini Collective, and it's not released yet, this is just me kind of telling you guys in advance, anybody who's going to order from this Gemini Collective, um, 50% of all proceeds are going into a fund where it's going to be able to help um, pay for people who can't afford classes but are needing the classes, um, help money towards retreats so that we can host spiritual retreats and have people at those, um, and basically giving back into our little community in all kinds of different ways. So um, 50% of all proceeds from that Gemini Collective are going to go into a fund to be able to just help our growing Coven of Rejects community in various ways and help me be able to do more for you guys and with you guys. And so I'm very excited about that. I will let you know as soon as that launches. And of course, I will have the link for Willow Moon's Enchantment uh, items that you can buy. She does already have her Etsy that you guys can go and look at if you want to look up Willow Moon 
enchantments on Etsy. You'll go right to her page and be able to see everything. Um, and she does have a box that's going to be coming to me here soon where I'm going to be showing you guys some new products. So if you don't already follow me on TikTok and Instagram, please follow me, Gemini underscore goddess 420. And then I've been asked, where can you guys reach me if you don't have social medias? So you can always send me a message through the Coven of Rejects website, but you can also email me at corejectspodcast at gmail.com. And that's actually linked in the description as well. So anytime that you guys have questions about how to contact me, go to the description of the podcast. You'll be able to see multiple ways to get a hold of me and I am really excited for you guys to hear this week's episode. The guest is Devo Death and we had such a good conversation but with all things I want to tell you guys that some stuff that we talked about this past week for this episode um Everybody may not agree with the things that we talked about. I definitely, we talked um, about politics in this episode and some other things. So just like I ask that you guys always give guests grace to have their own opinions on things and support you having your own opinion on things and not having to agree with everybody, I just ask that you guys give me that same grace as you listen. You're not going to agree with what my viewpoints on all kinds of things are. Um, but you guys know my energy and my intention and things. And so I just ask that, you know, you guys give that same grace to me that I ask you guys to give my guests every week and that you give that same grace to Devo. And, um, with no further ado, here is this week's podcast. What's up, Devo? Welcome to the Covenant Rejects podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You are welcome. So you messaged me and I would just love to know, how did you find me? How did you find the podcast? So I recently followed your TikTok because you came up on my For You page and um, I've been looking for more like uh, genuine, like chill, genuine practitioners, you know, to follow, to, to get inspired by, you know, all the above, learn from and everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing that that app for the community that's built in such a short amount of time and uh, came across you there. And then I saw that you had a podcast and I'm not going to lie. It just got the wild hair up my ass. So it's like, pardon my French, but it's, it's the totally spirit. I mean, hundred percent, it was, it was a, a kind of a spill, uh, like a gut feeling thing, you know? So I just like thought I've done this kind of thing before I did stand up for like seven years. I'm like, I, I did a podcast for a while too. I'd have been so stoked if somebody hit me up and made it easier because talent scouting is kind of annoying. And so yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go, I'm just going to try it. And I rewrote the email like four or five times because like <laughs> I just wanted it to come off genuine, you know? So I then eventually switched to voice note so I could just talk it out. And I'm like, check it out. I saw your podcast. You seem really chill and I've got a lot to share and I want to share it on your platform pretty much is what's going on. So I was like, so what do you think? <laughs> That's fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, reaching out to people is a thing. And also, especially when you're talking about like reaching out about spirituality, right? You're like, you don't know me, but I know you. And like, do you want to share the intimate details of your life with me and everybody who's listening? Um, so I love that one, that you were comfortable reaching out to me and two, that you did. And here we are. 
Um, so I, like you said, you have a lot that you want to share about yourself and I want to learn about you. So the way that I always start is what spirituality were you raised in? And then kind of how are you identifying yourself spiritually now? That's the perfect launch. Cause it's kind of, yeah, it's where everything starts, right? Like, so I grew up, my dad was Roman Catholic <laughs> and like catechism Catholic. <laughs> All right. And so like, he was worried, uh, about, he followed his mom's religion, you know, because of it was his mom's religion. So like, if you feel me, uh, he had us when he was like 22, real young, and uh, my brother, 20, he was 20, he was 22 and he had me. He moved out of his parents' house to take care of us, right? And so he's still under his mom's Catholic rule at that point. And it, my mom was Methodist though. And so she went to a different church entirely. And it was when I was about like five or six, uh, my brother had started going into catechism. And like, I got, I'm a neurodivergent person and it's so much work. It's so much work to be Catholic. There's sitting, standing, kneeling, things to remember, things to sing. And then more school on top of school. And I was like, uh, I, I straight up just asked my dad, I was like, you're Catholic and mom's Baptist. What does that make me? And I think it was the first time he ever really thought about it. Cause he's like, you can be whatever you want. Like you could see it. And I was like, really? Okay. So I, I didn't even have any exposure to any other religions at the time. So I started to go to my friends' churches because in my opinion, the, in my experience, is what I should say, it was just different forms of Christianity was all that was really on offer. And I'm from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. So it's, uh, we just recently got some blue, blue voting there, <laughs> even though it's the 13th largest city in the U.S., most populated city in the U.S. It's a pretty big fucking city, but it's, it's uh anyway beside the point back to the focus is texas what we so like when we think about like the deep south right we're we're thinking like everybody's like baptist or evangelical you're in the bible belt it's fucking wild is that how it is in texas too no it's because we are texas is very much just mexico like it really is still just settled mexico like it, that's why it's so Catholic too. And even to that, to that point, the uh, Hispanic side of my family is the only ones that have carried on the catechism tradition. And so when my, when my grandma was uh, put to rest, they were the only ones that actually could, were allowed to go on the altar because this is a closed practice. You have to be initiated into it and trained. And Catholicism? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was, that it was like a, a, its own closed thing. 100%. That's the, that is the whole uh, Pope structure is they are the ones that determine what everybody shall do. And then you have to follow the rules and learn the things. And then you can, you can do the special moves to get yourself the onto the special altars. Moves you did not, <laughs> for those that are not watching this and that are listening, he did that. What is it? The father, the son, the Holy spirit. Is that the cross thing? That <laughs> <they> do? <laughs> yeah. The sign of the cross. And then they have really specific passwords and stuff too, to get on there. I mean, it's, I do the same stuff for my rituals, so it's not different. You know, I learn from them like, cause it's, it's just a flavor, you know, in essence, yeah. the, the fear flavoring is not my favorite. It's a little too bitter for me. <laughs> so do you, so with that being how you were growing up and you were kind of um, trying to figure out what you were and having these other experiences, how are you jumping like way ahead and will fill up? How are you identifying yourself spiritually, religiously now? So I would literally, the, the best word is wizard. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. really is. 
it's it's there's no better word i've gone back and forth on it a lot so i i in my head i define it as i practice witchcraft as a wizard and as a wizard like um philosophically speaking uh it comes from like a dnd base so in what i noticed from the experienced practitioners is that they there is no wrong path there's a million paths uh and they all require a large amount of devotion and experience so that you it's essentially martial training you get to this point to where when you need to react you already have all the ideas thoughts and skills to react uh in that moment through the feeling because it's working through a feeling thing so it's like it's very martial um you know magical practices in in, in the in the way that you learn strategy so that you can react correctly when you need to respond to something like and it's, um, but I, I have a lot of experience in Dungeons and Dragons, okay? I'm talking like five years, every Tuesday we played. And after learning about the, uh, there's a book called Promethea, it's a, a graphic novel, but it really talks about the immateria as being where all stories come from, the, the land of imagination, essentially. Like writers, it's positing that writers don't invent anything, they see it and then they report it. <laughs> so okay. all fiction is reported from a vision of another dimension, essentially. And this other dimension is called the immateria, it's an imaginary world. And I was like, that's, that, well, you're building in this realm in Dungeons and Dragons when you're doing RPG. And, and so I'm like, this is not detached. I could find the bridge between all the stuff I've already learned and uh, using it magically. And, and the really funny thing is, is because it's so untapped. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Like it's not a, it's not a used resource. It's like, it's like inventing a mold that can eat plastic, right? Like I've invented a magic that can use plastic. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, <laughs> but not invented. You know, you just, you see the correlations cause that's all it is. It's just being able to go, Oh, every time this happens, this happens. And then not judging it for being like, that's a consequence, but figuring out how can I use that to my advantage? Like this thing breaks this thing down. That could be a problem if you want this thing, or it could be a benefit if you need to get rid of something. It's just and how you so apply And so that's it. like also paying atten attention to what our surroundings and reactions are inside of like our simulation, right? So I can totally see your comparison of the world of like Dungeons, Dragons, whatever, where you have this like alternate reality space, which is the parallel to what practitioners are seeing when we're diving into like different kinds of energies and things beyond the veil and mediums tapping in with different levels of consciousness from people who have passed away. And so it, I've never been, I've never even explored the world of Dungeon and Dragons before, but when you, the way that you are explaining and breaking down, um, again, that like alternate reality um, area where you're still able to cultivate things and build there and utilize your energy and your inspiration to create something different. I'm resonating with that. And I, and I like the correlation. Yeah. It's essentially astral training, you know, like, cause the whole game is mind game. Like, cause, and for a lot of times we couldn't afford the nice tables and the miniatures and stuff. And so we're literally describing the scenes to each other and having to imagine them. And <laughs> there's come situations where, you know, there's a, a core cuttings are really popular. Right. Uh, 
there's come situations where people will come into my astral space and I'll, I'll need them gone, but I'll revert to a D and D tactic to do it because it's essentially the same thing. And it's already within my training. And also because through those five years of decision-making my DM, I have to give him credit for it. He's really, he was really good at carrying the consequences of our actions throughout. And so like my characters started chaotic neutral and became chaotic good, you know, like over the campaign, we, we liberated goblins and they ended up evolving into like a higher form of goblin. Like, cause we just gave them ownership of their own minds and shit like that, you know? <laughs> and it was, it was these uh, moments with the groups where you could see some of them didn't even know that was an option. And then like bringing that up, I, I, I get, I'm getting off subject here, but it's just, it's training you to use your imagination to develop these scenes in a way like where you're in combat and you have to survive and you <laughs> like your character dies in the game it's dead you, they're dead you have to write a new character now like so you that happened to, oh my 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 first character was a wizard named Sandra Jenkins okay she's a tiefling wizard which is a half demon half person uh and the, the she her namesake she charged into battle sandra jenkins <laughs> ran straight in and got smacked down and died instantly uh but had death saving throws and then the people in the party revived her but it was my dm being like you gotta think before you move and shit right and it really uh it really cemented it but the the real the real important part of dnd has for my personal real life magical journey not for the fantasy training side of it has been a lot of allegory has come from the campaigns that I've already lived through. So it's one thing to read a myth and then put yourself in the perspective of the gods and the heroes and learn from them. It's a whole different thing when you're writing a myth, essentially, yeah. <laughs> where you have all the powers that you can want in these myths. And then you use those things accordingly within the universe to hopefully do better. But, you know, it can go either way. That's the thing. It's an RPG. There are no rules. <laughs> so how are you, um, how do you carry things that you learned in kind of that reality in that world into, because it sounds like you use that D&D mindset lessons that you've learned through there and apply that to like your practice, right? So as a wizard, are you actively practicing witchcraft? Yes. And I'm okay. trying to train traditionally. And I mean, trying, I've been, I go down dark rabbit holes. So I'm neurodivergent. So I'll get hyper. This is my hyper focus. It's literally every minute I'm living and breathing it. Um, reading about it. Uh, I'll try to watch something else and it'll end up giving me an inspiration to go back into reading more about it. But yes, absolutely. Cause um, the way I work as an artist is you like learn songs essentially like it was the way that met, that I learned how to do music was you I learned songs from other artists that I like and then by learning their songs you kind of learn the the shapes of the mm -hmm. melody you know and then you can take these shapes and you go I want to write a song kind of like that and then you you know what shapes work well with other shapes and the same is true for like spellcraft and like from these it's it the whole art of magic is baking meaning into meaning and then wrapping it with action to make change uh and it's 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 
sorry, I'm getting lost a little, but the professionals, okay. like the, the experienced practitioners, the, the grimoires reading through them, you can see how they came up with stuff. And it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's learn from the experts first and then move it your own way. Like I've been doing a, a lesser managing ritual, the pentagram for two years at this point, every single day. Uh, and it started out exactly as prescribed, which is difficult. <laughs> like to really get the arm movements, full extension to your hip, to your shoulders, to actually hold the visualizations that you need to, uh, in each direction. And, but eventually over time, you find a way that you do it better. And then it just starts to morph into your own style of it. And there's a part during this process where you start to feel like you're, uh, killing your fathers, you know, essentially that kind of myth yeah. where you're like, you're like, I don't know being um what is the word like rude to your ancestors by changing the practice but like most of what i've come to find out here's the perfect metaphor my dad has all these southern sayings right like colder than a witch's tit and a brass bra and shit like that right and i was asking him where he got them one day and he goes you know half of those i just made up and i'm like you can fucking do that and that was like the mind-blowing moment for culture. I'm like, yes, yeah, whatever you fucking want. You add anything yeah. you want into it. You're the one that's doing it. And so it's it's building upon the foundation, respecting it, you know, what they gave you, but also making a decision based on your personal style and injecting it into it. And that's how it continues to roll forward. It makes me, so stuff that you're saying is like stuff that I believe hardcore fundamentally as a witch myself who obviously does the podcast and talks to people and then in my classes too um my co-teacher and I I always laugh because our thing is yeah sure why not because people well can I do this can I do that and we're like yeah sure why not what's the worst thing that's gonna happen you're gonna you're learning all these fundamentals and things and then you're gonna go and you're gonna try something different and yeah you've never seen any example of it so go and do it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? And with, I know that for myself, growing up in organized religion, like you did, you do end up having that kind of like fear thing that you have to get your brain out of where all of these other religious experiences that you've ever had, there's some kind of repercussion to not following the rule or whatever, be that, um, we didn't have, I grew up Christian science, so we didn't have the, you're going to hell. We have the, well, your life's just going to be awfully fucking miserable because you're not following any of Jesus's practicings. And so breaking out of that, like fear that if you do something, you're something bad is going to happen. And I'd like to get your opinion on the like threefold or tenfold rule because when I hear that, I'm just like, oh, so basically you've taken your fear based from your organized religions where there's a direct repercussion to something. And now you've applied that into witchcraft. And so now all of your magical workings are with the intent behind that you're going to add fear into your spell working because you're so worried something will come back to you. 100%. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy to think like where that kind of willingness to. Mm. So, <laughs> cause I want to be careful here. Cause I've tried to be as diplomatic as humanly possible. Cause in the same way, I don't want to shut somebody else's thing down or whatever, but yeah, I do feel like it's kind of harmful to growth to, to stick to that. 
uh, and it is just a reiteration of of that Christian like what is the word I'm looking for here like traditionalism almost you know like yeah. where it's it only is that way because it is that way oh my god mumpsimus that's the word m-u-m-p-s-i-m-u-s mumpsimus I, I, and then there's this word called sumpsimus and it came up in my word of the day dictionary the other day and the example that they used is uh, mumpsimus is basically like something that keeps being said that way because it's the way it's always been said so like when you mispronounce a word uh they'll just stay with it and then sumpsimus is assuming the new the new pronunciation of the thing and the sentence they used was i'm not gonna replace my mumpsimus with your new sumpsimus <laughs> and it's like uh it's uh i feel like it comes from a place of like stifle like limiting oneself because it's like a fear of seeing what it actually is you know like i i, I feel like this is on subject and also off subject at the same time there's a heavy emphasis on having to like do a crossroads ritual and like call the devil like i feel like that's really important if you're going to do witchcraft uh and i feel like a lot of witches stress that too that's at the beginning of most of the books you have to deal with the relationship with whatever you think of as the devil and like yeah. what the horned man is and it's what the spirit of nature is because it's funny that they can worship a almighty destroyer god but then be so like sh sh stifling of anger but not not uh malicious anger but righteous anger protective anger like anger is not a thing that doesn't need to exist the expression of it needs to be in the place of stopping somebody else from harming somebody else the only thing that we can't tolerate is intolerance like it's you know it's when somebody's um pardon sorry i'm getting way off subject no uh, that's okay what you said about the the um tolerating intolerance i think that's where so many of us get so frustrated with people that force their religious opinions and their religious views and whatnot is the being intolerant for other people that have different thought processes and different ideas. And that also doesn't only happen outside of the witchcraft community, but there are tons of people even inside of our like abstract, if you will, spiritual community who shame other people for the way that they practice or the way that they express themselves and whatnot. And I always feel like that has to go back to an upbringing of, again, not facing the thing that you think is the demon, right? It went in from maybe people being raised with having that like traditional demon aspect and then turning that into, well, now I have a new fear about witchcraft and it not being done in this specific way. So now you're the person who I'm going to project all of these fears and insecurities on because you're the only tangible energy that I can see to project that onto. If you can be afraid of demons, then you can make anything a demon. And <laughs> that's like, that's what my, that's what came to me right now when we were talking. And it's like, yes, because it, demons, when you look at the history of it over and over and over again, it's just someone else's deities almost always. And it was, it, it didn't happen in a vacuum. Don't get me wrong. There was competition for resources and there was competition for, you know, asserting one's rule over an area like this serfdom shit has been going on for so long. It's not new, this feudalism. It's, it's just been the transfer of 
whose name is on the paper but like what's silly is we're all still sitting here you know we're all still sleeping and eating here regardless of if we're indoors or not so it's like even if people try to get people away you just literally can't but back to the the fear of a demon like it's recognizing the oneness of the universe has been so pivotal in the practice like the the story the egg by andy weir where he's talking about um a guy that dies and he goes to heaven uh, or he meets god a creator and he says that he's gonna like that he's gonna get reincarnated and all this other stuff and i know that requires a a certain belief structure to go but just in this story you know it's uh he's gonna get reincarnated and he tells me he's gonna be a 14th century slave girl (laughs) and he and the guy's like wait i'm going back in time and he's like time isn't the way you think of it uh and, and he goes, wait, so if I can go back in time, that means I can be incarnated at the same time that I'm also incarnated. And then the, the story switches to, he's like, it's all you. <laughs> yeah, you're incarnated while you're incarnated because every single person on earth is you. And, uh, and he's like, why would you do all that? And he's like, so you can learn how to become me. And the whole rhetoric is that it's a, a cosmic egg and that each human consciousness is one neuron in the entire brain of the god body that is the entire human species but not only just the human species all the species and then when you look back to indigenous what they understood uh yeah. like they it, it's the trees it's every fucking thing it's not any it's every single cell living atom thing is also us and when you really embody that it's like nothing can be not supposed to be here that's the point i'm trying to lead up to there's no there's nothing that's not supposed to be here if it is here it's proof of existence is that it has it needs to exist it's like because our universe is really good at entropy at cropping things out right and so if it hasn't cropped this fucking thing out then it has a a use and people do that too people try to crop people out of reality as well not just you know objects and things and by the way a lot of stuff I feel like physical things can get cropped out of like reality when you think about like extinction of things and and whatever but people try to with our cancel culture and other things crop out messages crop out viewpoints crop out you being able to choose freedom for yourself and you know use your own whatever uh cognitive thinking and desertion and stuff like that so um I that's something that I've actually been thinking about a lot lately is a lot of things that are already and will continue to disappear from our reality as people try to change everybody else's thought processes to match the masses Right. But it's shown over centuries and we're getting better at recording this shit now that it just doesn't take like the amount of uh, drug users uh, before it was illegal and after it was illegal is the same percentage. It's just making it illegal is just making it possible to use discretion to criminalize or demonize another human, which is just we're all just that we're all just the same. And so it's yeah, it's wild that. Like people can think that any of these actions of isolating people would make them different. When you isolate an energy, like you isolate a Petri dish of a thing, it cultures into a 
bacteria into a stronger thing. So it's like, it's this cosmic story of the underdog. It's in every single allegory. And it's, it's wild that people would try to put themselves in a position where they would be so above another person that they would force an underdog because it means they're going to get eaten. It's just Zeus and Kronos. It's, it's just like, you can't just swallow all your babies and expect not to have something fucking happen. Like, it's just, it's, it's been written down. We try to share it in stories and poems and stuff because it hits you on an inner level, you know? And it's wild to me that people are still acting against it. Like how, how, like I'm in Florida right now and it's a real fucking scary time to be in Florida right now. Uh, but at the same point, I strongly am holding on to the fact that um, these are death rattles. Like these, there's nobody that wants this there's no real person that's talking that actually wants this. And these people know their days are numbered. Like, look at the kids, man. They're awesome. Look at every kid out there. There's the way they play together, like watching kids at a birthday party, they're like sharing their toys and stuff. Like it's totally different, man. It's like, you can see it. And it's the energy, like that is the energy moving forward. And it's the energy in every person too. It's just more and more people need to see more examples of it. So it can feel more normal to them. And so like being kind in the face of this unkind world is like the literal best thing you can do right now because it's, it's aggressive kindness. It's kindness in spite of, you know, it's not kindness out of stupidity, but it's like, it's also like setting a place at the table because one of the really important things about um, not falling into cropping things, cropping people out energy is remembering that divide control exploit is the colonizer virus and the way forward is to uh connect relate and belong and so and to be both and that's the other thing both and so it's like uh la santa muerte is the perfect example she is a death goddess i mean spirit that's probably more accurate uh that's folded in from ancient mesoamerican traditions right so they're like, okay, cool. Catholicism, dope. I like that you guys have structure. You got shiny, cool stuff. I mean, the censors, the procession, it's fun. The candles and everything, it, it is fun. They know what they're doing uh, when it comes to theater. But like, so I can see how the Mesoamericans were like, all right, dude, we can fold this in. But when they're like, but you got to understand our main deity, our, our spirit, I should say, is a death goddess. And she is ain't death holy death you know and they they go no 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 because the diocese over in rome actually uh the whole thing that we're banking on right now is that jesus can defeated death his whole thing was yeah. resurrection so he defeated death so we can't worship the thing that that is our that we've declared our enemy which is death and so they're like she, she cannot be a saint in the catholic fold and so they're the people who follow la santa muerte right now are still catholics they're still Catholics. They may not be Pope Roman Catholics, but the way that they practice, because uh, looking into Brujeria, being from Texas, growing up in a, a mostly Hispanic, like my the school I went to, the sign was half Spanish, half English. Like it suited you to learn Spanish because that was your neighbors. Like, um, so like she's always been around in the community and stuff like that, but she's also associated with like criminals and stuff like that because she does protect those that are, because what is a criminal, right? It's decided by the state. And a lot right. of times it's targeted at lower income communities. It's literally weaponized discretion. We made drugs illegal unless you can pay the fine. Like it's, 
it's, and it's we so made it blatant. so that people of who have made mistakes are not able to restart over. So then they go into drug dealing because it's the only way that they can support their families or they live in areas where the only um, employment that they're able to get is from the cartels because they're the only ones that will take them on. And then what is your, somebody, uh, what was I, I was watching, um, been watching Once Upon a Time with my son and like getting into all of that. And one of the characters said, um, what's the threshold between good and evil? Because if I do something that you deem evil, but I do it for something that benefits myself and my family, to me, that's not me being a villain. That's me being a hero. And so it all depends on which glasses you're wearing. And that could get me into a whole like, it's the people that you vote into power and it's all the same. And we could... I could go down. Oh yeah, but that's that would be, and that that's and no, that's a good direction (laughs) because then we get to talk about the gerrymandering because I'm from a place that's been made to where you can't vote. Like I moved back to Texas. I was in Chicago for seven years doing stand up, um, and when voting there, it's you know it's a drop in a bucket. Like we're all pretty much going to agree. (laughs) I agree with a lot of the politics up there. But getting back to Texas, I was like, you know what? I need to vote where I'm from. It's an Andrew Jackson Jihad lyric. He said, "Sure, I could be a, a p word." and move to Portland or New York, or I could stay and change the place where I was born. And I felt challenged by that. So I went home and I tried and uh, they're running unopposed. The house state, the state of representatives in Texas, there's no one even running against them. There's literally not another person to vote for. So like, and then doing the research on who is, and then they get snuffed in the campaigning and it's aggressive, the attitude of the people and finding out uh, people that I trusted voted for these people more and more. I was like, this y'all want this place. I don't, I should not be here. And that was my, you know, after the freeze too, after they, the, I left Chicago to get away from cold also. And then that freeze happened and then they couldn't even power through it because they didn't want to pay for the de-icers on the, on the solar. It's all or on the, what is it? The wind farms. It was, wasn't it this, was, wasn't that Texas freeze like two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in I it. It was awful. Friend, I had a friend who, um, so her husband is military. They were stationed down in Texas. Um, that giant freeze happened and it randomly happened. Like there, I think there was like a 24 hour notice that the storm was coming in, whatever the people, uh, there were some people around who had generators and they were like plugging in crock pots for people and whatever, and they were serving other people. And then she's also got people who are selling wood for 10 times the amount of money that wood would sell for. And people don't have any option, but to buy that. And they had to, in, in her home, they had to resort to burning their furniture and stuff because they had babies and they weren't getting any um, you know, nobody was coming in and helping and bringing supplies or bringing wood for people or whatever. And she was like, I thought that I lived in a community where like, if shit went down because her whole surrounding is that it's all like, it's not actually, but like that good old boy mentality where like, Mm -hmm. everybody's gonna rush in and take care of their own and women and children and whatever. Nobody gave a fuck. Everybody was selfishly doing their own thing. And People were going in and robbing and stealing, you know, people's shit and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's why you should be able to have your gun and protect yourself. (laughs) And yeah, I just think it's wild. 
I was so lucky that I was doing a painting job. And so I had a five gallon thing of water filled up because the pipes froze. So there wasn't water. Uh, and <laughs> and so it sold out really fast at the stores. But also when the power goes out, that means the cell phone towers go out too. Yep. And your internet goes out too. So like, luckily I was not far from the, the, the guy's house where we play D&D. <laughs> and so I went to the D&D house and uh stay but it was you couldn't get warm like we were burning tea lights and over bricks and shit like it was i was actually scared like i was like i i'm afraid to fall asleep when i'm this cold like hypothermia doesn't take long you know and i'm like and then it came time to vote and uh they were gonna vote to raise the to pay put more money into the grid and people voted against it and i'm like what the fuck you know why because like you mentioned, some some people had generators. You know what the solution to every other homeowner was? They went and just bought a generator. Do you know that California, so California banned being able to buy generators and um, uh, they banned certain types of generators as well. And where I grew up um, in Pollock Pines, California, it's near Tahoe. We got, my husband and I lost power for 10 days. We were snowed in for like six or seven days. All that we had was generator power. Um, it, and during summertime too, when it's excruciatingly hot because PG&E killed so many people and their uh, people getting burned alive thing, they shut down the power when it's too hot outside too. So then you don't have air conditioning and then people have babies and they're in the summertime or whatever. And so generators are how people live up there by the way, fun fact, if PG&E shuts off your power and you have a fridge full of food and your food goes bad, they will not replace your food. They'll tell you that that's on you and that's your fault. If they did give you any kind of stipend for groceries, I think that it's $30 per month um, of what they would replace and you have to fight tooth and nail for that. So in order for these people to survive, they have to have generators in order to power even small things in their home. And then you have the elected officials in uh, Gavin fucking Newsom in Sacramento, who's like, you know what, we're actually not going to be allowing these generators anymore. And they talk about like the carbon footprint of things. And also speaking of carbon footprint, telling people to get electrical vehicles that they have to fucking use power for just boggles my fucking mind. But that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to not see it as targeted. You know it what I mean? It feels targeted and it feels yeah. like, yeah. The first thing you do to, 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 to take the, the, what is the, what am I looking for? The energy out of a army is cut off their supplies. That's the first thing you do. And the most effective method of torture to this day is sleep deprivation uh, and uh, like interruption of schedule. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's hard to not feel like it's targeted you know and it's up to them to fucking do better at this point but it's man yeah it's really disheartening (laughs) i see a lot of um and like obviously like this topic is getting like off of witchcraft base but like it's like real shit right it's important yeah the growing up in california the homeless population that i saw being from there And then coming here to Idaho, where they actually take care of their homeless people and they have programs and they have shelters and they have things that they do. I mean, 
my mother-in-law has used those resources and has been able to like be taken care of here and stuff. I recently went to Salt Lake um, with a couple of friends and there was an entire homeless encampment that had taken over a school's uh, baseball dugout and they had built shelter inside of the dugouts or whatever. And we're driving by and I'm like, they're not going to take care of it. Like they don't, they don't have people out. It was raining. It was icy. It was cold. I'm like, they don't have any kind of anything. They go and they take care of them. They don't take them to a shelter or anything. And both the girls I were, I was with are from Kentucky and they're like, at least they're not spraying cold water on them in Kentucky. The fire department comes out and turns on their hoses and blasts them. It doesn't matter the, the time of year or whatever. And that's where you end up having people who are basically they've been forgotten about, right? So your crime rate of this is not all homeless people. So I'm not putting that out there. But when you have people that you have forgotten about in society, these are people who if um, child sexual assaults or kidnappings or whatever happen, those people aren't necessarily looked at because they're not tracked people in society. You have um, them having to steal or whatever in order to have. Oh, yes, because. And how, how do you get a job when you don't have an address, when you don't have a Correct. phone? Correct. Or and a bank account for you to get a direct deposit in because you have to show an to, address to open a bank. What if you have like overactive BO, man? Like some people have that shit and you can't bathe. You, there's not, there's nowhere. There's no public restrooms in proper cities. Like, and I even tried to do homelessness the way that they would suggest, right? Which is to live out in the desert, like in the truck and fucking, uh, there's people out there too. It's stacked up out there too, because there's not a lot of public land. And yeah. also it's a huge issue right now because no one knows how to deal with their waste. So it's it's wrecking ecosystems. And it's it, you it's hard to be mad at the people that literally have nowhere to go but the public lands. At, like, you know, and so the reason there are cities built is to deal with sewage, is to deal with these trash problems and stuff like that. Like there's so many people in our community that keep talking about going to the woods and, you know, eco-fascism essentially, or I mean, uh, individualism is what I'm really trying to say. Like, I know it's easy to quit. And I understand if you're burned out, you have to take care of yourself and rest, but there is uh, an attitude of like, as soon as they see something they're like, I'm going to the woods because society is messed up. And it's like, no, I promise you I've lived in the desert. It's not good. When a storm comes by, it's terrifying. Like you, we have these houses shit for a reason and there's five houses to every homeless person the system is functioning as it was designed and that's why the system needs to be rewritten there's just there's just no other option and for the people that really need like you know that want to move forward and shit like we have to operate from this calm place because like we know from being in magical moments and like doing spellcraft and shit like the the only thing you really have is keeping that center like that's the key through the whole thing. That's and to fold this all back in from politics back to witchcraft. I truly believe that if you are in line with your inner voice, you can't commit these harmful acts because you'll hear it all day and all night. I can't do evil shit because I'll feel bad about it. <laughs> like because when you become aware of it, oh, because also when you start messing with, in my experience, when you start messing with energies outside of yourself, 
they will show you the things that you're looking for. And if you're looking for a lesson, they'll bring it to you. And that's another reason why a lot of people, uh, not, it's not for everybody to be a practitioner because it does happen like that. There are times where they tell you to keep going until your gas runs out in the middle of the woods. And then you are stuck in the woods in a place that you sh shouldn't camp. And then the trees blow in a way that you're like, this is terrifying. And then they go, see, you still had some spookies in you. <laughs> you still had, some, and I'm like, oh, and then you see it for what it is. And you powered for that moment. It was the, you know, the trust of the guy that got you there, but still like, it's not, not stressful. And, and if you're already like on an edge level, like don't do it. But at the same point, if people are in line, like, cause you have, everybody has their own version of it. And that's why we keep referring to it as a path too, because there's a version of it. That's just enough to record the lesson within you that you have. And it may just be watching a fucking movie. You don't need to go to the woods. Like I promise you, I get a lot of stuff from video games. Like, like people would also get a whole lot out of doing shadow working and just figuring out why they are processing things the way that you're processing it because you and I could have the exact same situation come up and based off of past traumas that either one of us has or support that we've had through similar situations we're going to be able to evolve right like depending on if you get thrown out into the woods I grew up in the woods I know what to fucking do when there's a storm I know how to find safety and things I know what to do but you who, if you haven't been to the woods before, you don't know what to do with that. And same thing with street smarts. If you throw me into the middle of the, you know, Oak Park ghetto in Sacramento, I grew up there. I know how to have conversations with people. I know how to be inclusive of others and whatever, but you throw somebody in there who has no street smarts, they're going to just think that everybody is trying to rob them and they're going to make enemies, you know? Yep. They've, they filter it through their perspective. And then you really see like, how come when I talk to demons, they're in suits. And when other people see demons, they're scary horned things. And it's like, it's your perspective. Your and perspective. it's also how like the gnosis that comes through <laughs> people when they channel messages is also still filtered through their perspective. And so that's how you end up with different, with different interpretations of the one truth, you know, <laughs> but like it, having the pattern recognition, you can dial it back you can't really know it with words, but you can kind of see how they relate. And that by that relation, you can see the connection. And that is the thing. And it's like, it, that connection is the thing. <laughs> but like, yeah. sorry. I'm keep, digging you, the conversation and I'm digging that all of the, I am also a person who like, can not call it neurodivergent or whatever you want to. One thing that you're saying is going to spark this whole different thing over here. <laughs> and the more passionate topics that your topics that you're passionate about, the more you're going to fucking squirrel and hop trees. And so the fact that we can keep on sidelining and then coming back, I think that everything we're talking about is like actually just really important things that a lot of people can't have conversations like this anymore, where you can give an opinion and a viewpoint about really serious topics and go, but if you don't agree with me on that, and that's not your viewpoint, I absolutely respect and understand that. But here's where I'm coming from. hundred percent. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, example of how to just hear, because when you, when you do shadow work on yourself, you, you go to a level where you start kind of doing shadow work on the people that have done things <laughs> to you in the past too. 
and you start to, to understand them, to see it from their viewpoint, to be like, yeah. people don't do things for no reason. They're inspired by a need, a will, a delusion, whatever it happens to be. It's they act strongly for it because they, it works for them. And so it's like, why would people be all about, you know, uh, painful stuff? Like, like there's some people that are really, really into outrage, being outraged and they look for being outraged, uh, and so like, cause, cause what I mean by that is you'll bring up an objectively good situation and they'll find some way to be outraged about how those good situations don't happen very often. And it's like, your focus is this thing. And it's like, why? Uh, but it's so also I not think, my place to, sorry. no, you go, you go. I was going to say, I think that there's people who, um, energy workers who don't know how to tap into different levels of energy and the easiest energy for you to tap into and the lowest vibrational energy is fear or, um, or hate or just a lower vibration. It's an easier hanging fruit for somebody to grab onto. So if they've found, Hey, if I latch onto this, my workings are really strong. Or um, mm. I find that it's really easy for me to set boundaries because nobody wants to come near me and that's the way that I like it. I think it takes more effort for people to have to heal through things and find different vibrations. And that's why to me, it's so important about where people get their readings from. Because if you vibe with somebody who is on a lower energy and that works for you, then those people are only going to point out the things that are going wrong in life for you. And so then when you're getting your reading, you're going to focus on, oh my God, all of these things are wrong and they need to be fixed. But if you have people who are comfortable with recognizing those lower vibrations, and also here's where you are in your healing journey, and also tap into this energy of where you're going to be, you get a whole like in between. And so I think it's important for people to recognize, like you're saying, where other people are energetically too, because that's how you pick out who's your tribe, what energy are you attracted to, what's a person's focus going to be. I don't want to have a friend that only focuses on the bad. And if you're no longer my friend, you're going to go and tell people all of these terrible, awful things, because in your perspective, you can only remember the negative. Right. It's uh, everybody has a different image of you <laughs> and it's, and you, I'm happy that you brought up reader too. And like, cause you'll get an energy. And one of the early lessons I read in one of the books is uh, it's up to the reader to determine what to disclose. Like it's yes. important in the same way as a doctor, like you don't want to run in the room and go, you're dying in three weeks. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but also the key becomes too, as a, as a practitioner, um, you see the thing that needs to change. And the way that you make that change happen is by embodying the new energy, right? So like every, this, this field is infertile and I need it to grow. So I'm going to imagine the flowers that are on it. So the same is true for the conversation. It's like when somebody throws an anger out, you know, it's like, I, or when you get a message that's like wrapped in like a fear or an anger or something, you're like, so what is needed to counteract that at this point? And then you go a step further and that's what you, what you say, what you broadcast. It's the same as like a negative self-talk is it's where it all starts. Every single 
thing is negative self-talk. And the easiest way to, to work with that is to imagine yourself as the child. That's why everybody does inner child stuff. And to really, really, oh, no, no, no. To think of a child in your life, like a niece or a nephew or something that you would never, ever, like if they spilled some milk, you wouldn't be like, you, you know what I mean? You wouldn't yeah. react like that. So if you react like that to yourself, that's not fair because you're no different than them. And so to gentle parent yourself in these moments, but it's a, it's a thing that you've already built in your brain, the structure, but the, the concept, you can rewire your brain by thinking different patterns. Eventually it'll strengthen those neural pathways and the old ones fall off. It's called neuroplasticity. And so you literally can exercise your brain into a new way of thinking. So if you're only thinking negative thoughts, your new game now is to, as soon as you think of a negative thought, think of a positive, not positive, or like, yes. you know, yeah, but think, yeah, think of a positive spin on it or think of a way that allows you to release it in your own way. Like when somebody's being an asshole in traffic or something and you're like, oh, they may be late for their job or something. Think of a thought that allows you to release really. And then, cause then you can focus your energy on the next thing and move on. But the, it's, it's giving patience to yourself. And when you start giving patience to yourself, you start giving patience to other people too. <laughs> and you really start to notice that the people that didn't have patience for you is because they didn't have patience for themselves. And, and a lot of people that are saying shit like, you can't do that. It's prefaced in their mind by, hey, I was told you can't do that out loud. Yes. And it's like, because so many times they're just jealous that you're out there looking like a weirdo and they stopped themselves that morning from looking like a weirdo. They're like, I don't know, the purple socks, they make my fun, they might, because they got picked on, man. It didn't happen in a vacuum, but also like, it's okay now, guys. <laughs> you can come out. People wear full on capes. It's fine. We did it. We did the work. The Starbucks baristas of the past and the punkers of the 80s. We did the work. It's okay. <laughs> there are executives with tattoos now. It is going to be fine. <laughs> and to go back on something that you were talking about, which is like, you know, you wouldn't react this way or whatever to your nieces, nephews or whatnot. I think that something else just as a parent who was shut down a lot as a kid, I find myself having to have those conversations of redirecting my approach on things because my initial thing is to be like, you fucking spilled the milk. Like I told you to watch your hands. You know what I mean? Like I've already said something to you and now you're doing it again. And then I have to go in my mind, like, why am I so irritated about this? I'm irritated because I have to go and do interviews in 10 minutes and I don't want to have to sit here and clean up this mess. And so it's not actually that I'm irritated that you spilled the milk over. It's more of you didn't listen. So now I am inconvenienced. And so those are really like necessary conversations, I think, to have in order to break generational traumas and teach your kids something different. And something that I've I've been learning a lot lately is that the difference between the generation of parents now and our previous generation isn't that we aren't going to make mistakes. It's that we're going to be able to tell our kids, I'm sorry that I talked to you that way. I'm sorry that I treated you that way. That wasn't okay of me. I was feeling this in the moment and I was feeling frustrated and that's not your fault, but I need you to listen moving forward. And that's how you break generational things. Isn't by acting like things don't exist from the past. It's acknowledging, taking accountability and letting them know you will do better moving forward. And thank you for your grace. Heck yeah. It allows that room. You can see the clear bridge and you can also see how that's going to go up 
You know what I mean? Like it all starts with language in the same way that it, this is all the same conversation, politics and all the above, they all wrap up <laughs> together. That negative self-talk is the same thing that causes people to, to behave the way they are politically, you know, because they don't have that patience for themselves. And it's, it's having these conversations with the younger generation that's going to give them the example going forward that mistakes are going to happen, but we know how to deal with them when they happen. And this is how we do better and get better. And we're going to evolve at such an exponential rate because of that. It, it, you can, and this is happening in every home. This is happening in every home. So to, to take hope home with you today, listeners, <laughs> this, this is happening in every home. And remember that, focus on that, keep the gratitude on that because because these people, the way we talk with our kids now, these are the future politicians. These are the future teachers. These are the, because it's just how it happens. It doesn't, the kids will, but you know what? We don't, God of War Ragnarok just came out and there's a whole amazing scene where Loki is like, is this what we do? Sons killing fathers, sons killing fathers. And Kratos is like, no, we get to decide what we want to do and we can be better. And like, I'm all teary, but like, it's, yeah, you get to pick at every moment there, when you recognize that everything, it just is the way it was because it was something that was handed to us and it, and we didn't have the time before now, right? We're just now on the cusp of automation at the level we are and the way to spread information that was, you could, even when we were kids, you wouldn't hear from your friends for weeks or months at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would fucking call. That's, that's why we still can do that randomly nowadays, but like you can just reach out and touch anybody nowadays and in a passive way. And then they can go back and forth and stuff like, and then this is the way we're talking at home too, with our kids. And you can see the bridge, like we're, we're going to be fine. Like, but that's why I said earlier, this is all just death throws. Because if you look at the pattern recognition from the bottom up, like we're going to be fine. Like <laughs> we're already fine. It's just spreading outward further into the old structures and the rigid ones. We got a real bad infection, you know, <laughs> with rigid structure. And I think too, that there's a lack of understanding how to have healthy communication with each other. And that's something that like, I'm hoping that that gap gets bridged more too. the more that, you know, we're in the era of podcasts and if TikTok does go away, then people are going to be relying more on podcasts where you have to be able to have healthy communication with other people. And I also think it's important for people to, and why I do this podcast, to hear from people who have opinions on things that you don't necessarily agree with. You don't have to agree with somebody on something to say, I understand your logic in believing that for you. And I could see how there's small truths in that, even if that's not what I vibe with. And I hope that for the world as a whole, that politicians and things eventually can be able to hear people actually communicating and say, you know, I hear that the solution that you are offering up, that's not one that's going to be tangible when the broad scope of things, but we hear what you're wanting and what you're saying, let us figure out how to implement that. And I would, as a personal person, would love to be able to see um, reform in our politics and in our government here in the United States where People don't have to beg to have more of their freedoms taken away in order to have safety and protection and things, because I just, I think that that's a, um, an unfair position for civilians to be in, for us to have to beg, can you please, you know, take 
blah, blah, blah off of the streets or take this thing away from people because we can't have people who can responsibly do things and we can't hold individuals accountable for their own actions. And we, and I really hope that they start taking mental health seriously because it's not a homeless epidemic. It's a mental health epidemic. It's a drug epidemic that stems from mental health epidemic. And so I'd love to see lots of changes. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think one of the good ways, right, is <laughs> focusing on like, because we are practitioners, right? So we tackle problems practitionerally. <laughs> and, and you can't so much talk about how, what you don't want, like, don't think about brownies, right? Uh, it's, it's more important to focus on, or I shouldn't say it's more important. It's just as important because there's, there's multiple front lines to this thing and everybody is doing exactly what they should be doing. Cause to, to remove things from this world that shouldn't be here is also just as important as to bring things into this world. It's the same energy. Um, and so the focus is what was this whole system set up for, you know, like, and I like to focus on stuff like overfishing, you know, like, and environmental protection regulations and stuff like that. Like, it's not because people are like malicious, even it's just, they really didn't think that we would need to think about that. Like those sorts of things can be solved by uh, putting indigenous leaders in, in control of ag. That would be yes. the, the step one. Uh, but the reason that these regulations come into place too, is so your house isn't extra flammable and built next to your neighbors, you know, and they burn the whole block down. Like there's a use for these regulations and not everybody can go to court every week because some of us are artists, you know, <laughs> and yeah. artists just as important. The USO show is just as important to the soldiers morale as, you know, the other stuff. So it's like, you need comedy comedians. The gestures was in the King's court. You know what I mean? Like this has been around, like you gotta have yeah. entertainment. It's part of it, the Coliseum, all the above. So it's just as important to be on both of these front lines, but like the, the, so that's why we need representation and representatives that actually represent what we care about. It just got so stagnant pond for so long by allowing corporate interests to lobby in and also kind of by being a traditionalist, by being unwilling to break old structure just because it's old. There's no reason to have two senators for every state. That makes no sense. <laughs> when three states have like the entire population, like there's only cows in Montana. There's just like, it's like seven people to every cow, like, or I mean, sorry, seven cows to every person. It's a, uh, it's a lot of open space is what I'm getting at. Like a lot of Nevada, you can't even live in. It's just this weird hilly area. Yeah. Like, and so you, you, there's a, there's a reason for, uh, regulation, uh, but we need proper representation. It's literally the same thing that we were arguing about three, 400 years ago, but, and, and to be not stuck on because they are divinely ordained, which is where we got into trouble in the past with the doctrine of discovery and stuff like well, that. Well, and with like, your point of like vacating, right? You see a problem, so you vacate and you go to the woods was your example. We are having things repeating that we had in, you know, what was, when did we come over here? The 1700s? Because we're, everybody fled where they weren't agreeing with. And so they wanted to come over here and establish new things but you have people who were all raised the exact same way as those people who were in power over there. So then you just bring your generational curses over from England or wherever the fuck you came over from. And you continue to now establish those into a new land that you built on by killing other people and not giving them their rights. But we, yeah. You know, and it's not even, it's not even ancient. 
you know that you know why the dust bowl happened because they used to have a, a policy of plow and pray I, I wish i was making this stuff up they would go plow and even though there wasn't irrigation or rain or anything that would suggest that this is a good field for agriculture they said by plowing it told god this is where stuff should grow and because of that they caused the dust bowl. <laughs> they clouded everyone out with dust because they dug up the earth so much that it killed the topsoil in such a way that it turned it into dust. It wasn't fertile soil anymore. They I've never heard of that. Plow and pray. That's the search term if you want to look it up. It's awful. And that's like the 1890. It's like, what was the or like turn of the century, I think. It wasn't even four grandpas ago. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how I measure history too. I'm always like, well, it's really not that far back because we only started this country six grandfathers ago. Yeah. 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 So it was only like two grandpas ago, really. It's like you could touch those people. You you know their names almost, you know, like if, yeah. if they did army service and stuff, that's usually where. The records of my family that comes is in so things. wild but yeah and that i think that's important too to stress is that like people are so ready to think that like a lot of civil rights stuff just happened a long time ago N indigenous folks couldn't practice their religion until the 70s so it's like yeah it's closed have you like, actually have you actually heard so uh, i'm sure that you have um there's an act and i i do not know which one it is so ignorant on that but there's an act that basically it says that um, children of indigenous families, um, they have their own kind, it's not CPS, but basically their own way that they will take um, indigenous children and they put them with other families who are either in the same um, reservation as them or in the same community in general. And so then they get raised up with their same traditions, values, practices, whatever, even though they're not with that family. Um, but now they're trying to pass something saying that indigenous children will now be subject to the CPS system that all other kids are. And I've seen an argument, I've seen an argument on both sides of it, but I and learning a lot about how when you put those kids inside of CPS systems, they no longer connected to their roots and their heritage and their family lines and whatever. And it is a different level of community than those who are not indigenous have inside. Like if you were to take my kid away from me or whatever, yes, obviously that's a problem to me, but there's not the deep rooted traditions and values and things that he's going to lose by being somewhere else. You're, you're killing off a whole Whoa. line of people and beliefs and practices. And they already keep things so private and sacred because everything gets taken from them. When you can, there's documented cases where it's targeted too. I mean, it's yes. only recently that they brought up the boarding schools and stuff. The act is called ICWA, is the Indian Indian Child Welfare Act is what it stands for. Um, and there's a lot of petitions going on right now. So if you Google it, it, it'd be good to get a name to protect it. The reason that they keep them in the communities is because there's a lot of documented cases through CPS that it is Christianly targeted. 
that they're putting specifically native children in Christian homes. And they're using that <laughs> language implicitly. And we're not even talking about the documented cases of the CPS, uh, not helping kids that are actually being abused and then putting them into foster care that they get abused in and then ignoring because them. Because CPS care is they literally a human trafficking system for children. And that's why yes. so many fucking people disappear in the system. Yeah. And so there is an act right now to protect native children, to at least keep them in their own communities, in their own nations. And they're trying to repeal it right now. And it's ICWA, Indian Child Welfare Act. You need as many signatures as possible on it. I just put up a post like yesterday that it's got to text this number to this number. It's 50409 PP. Yeah, I don't want to say it wrong. It's like four, six letters. Uh, it's like, yeah, because I don't want to give the wrong one. But well, if people go um, and follow you from this episode, they'll be able to go and um I've signed a petition as well. They'll be able to go and sign one. I try to repost stuff every now and then too. Like I'm not I don't try to overwhelm people, but like when it's these kind of moments that are called the action moments that are really easy actions to take, it's like, why not? You know, it's it's like walking past a, a, a park and seeing a bunch of trash and just can and there's a trash can. You know, it's like you just got to put it into it. Like it's 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 the least we can do, you know, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of scary how targeted the, the repeal is, but a lot of it is. And also it's going to highlight a lot of the corruption that is happening in CPS system too, which is incredibly important. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I laugh when I'm nervous sometimes when we talk about hard subjects. Um, I tend to, I do that too. And I think that's why, like, I do so much like satire comedy on my page and stuff is that like, again, you can go the, like, I'm going to be angry about this and I'm going to have this vibration to it. Or you can understand that more people are going to listen to your message. If you come at it in a way that keeps them entertained and the gesture again was in, you know, the King's court. And so here the fuck we are to just make like giggles out of everything. Um, well, and joy, joy is really key to, <laughs> to casting too, is what I've learned from all the experts is like, if you got to tap into like basically a child happy energy, and there's even studies that are done on practice, that it is like an overwhelming percentage. If you do it rigidly, it'll take like 200 repetitions. But if you do it in play, it'll take like 20, 30 repetitions. And so having the play joy mindset is important for reception of information, but also just moving forward, like when you're thinking about what kind of career you want to set up for yourself, you really want to think about what are my day-to-day -day actions? What am I going to clock into? What office space am I going to walk into? I want, I want to be the, 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 I think it's the eight of pinnacles or the five. What's the one where he's sitting on the bench and carving out the pinnacles. Anyway, I, I think, want to be that. I, I think that's the five. I think it's the five. I, I want to be that guy <laughs> carving out pinnacle or maybe it's the 10. I don't know. Well, my, it's not that one. Ten of Pentacles is very like oh, family. Yeah, the Sephiroth. Yeah. Um, All I have on but... me is Vlad Dracula Tarot. <laughs> oh, well, I've got my cards. So I'm but just the, looking. The, the key is like, or I'll talk while you're looking, is the, is the focus on your day-to-day -day activities. And when we're sharing this information, even though it's like what would have been considered before tough information, it's necessary to, to work on it. And sharing it in a joyful way is the way is your day-to-day -day operations. That's so you're operating in a happy energy all the time, even though we're still having to solve problems. Like there's no reason that we can't be happy while we're solving problems. <laughs> I mean, there is a, a good place for righteous anger, especially in the case of like when people's lives are at stake, don't get me wrong. Uh, but when we get through 
with this awful stuff that's happening right now and it gets a little bit calmer and we actually get past the fight moment where the fists are down you know there's always like a talk that happens after a fight yeah and we're in that stage <laughs> that's when we could finally really employ the joy and get back to just it is the five shit. of pentacles it's the five of pentacles Perfect. it's the five of pentacles it's that it's that energy of working through disgratification and dissatisfaction and putting in hard work in order to um kind of change your own circumstances and improve things through action in order to get like the abundance and the energy you're looking for that's that's it that's 100 it and also just that image too i just like i like that i want to walk into a workshop with my my little hand tools and i want to do hand tools you know i don't need a a fast dribble going yeah and unless it's to get a lot of material off but <laughs> I, I wanted like to show sauce. you um so we were talking about the five of pentacles and then we had to yeah. talk about the homeless before and this pentacle this my five of pentacles always makes me think of um like someone who is homeless and having to rebuild themselves and having to take stock in the things that they do have and learn how to utilize the tools that they have at hand and so oh no I was thinking that was a different to me. one I think of the eight of pentacles, I think, uh, but either way, the five of pentacles, I'm glad we brought it up. Apparently there is no mistakes, right? This is so perfect. <laughs> I literally put up a video on this the other day. Cause I'm reading, I just got, uh, the Pamela Coleman Smith playing card tarot. Cause I read playing cards. I've practiced reading playing cards for the last couple of years, just in case there wasn't a, a tarot card deck around. And it feels really like uh, cowboy, right? This like, is wild. Um, Somebody just, my best friend just made me my deck of playing cards i'd never oh they're stargazers I, you have stargazers okay that's the I'd that's never, the deck oh uh yeah it is that is the deck wow okay yes. i only know because i only have six decks but that's one of them that is <laughs> the so amazing i just got the archangels but i got the pcs deck and i was reading in the in the meaning of the five of pentacles it describes the individuals walking as mendicants and so I searched that word and the mendicant orders are Catholic orders that are, are ascetics, essentially. They're living a life of poverty on purpose. They only can eat through generosity and people giving them food and stuff like that. And so these, these, the, the lighted church, is, this is the way I interpreted it in the video, the lighted church inside has a preacher who is relating the scripture because it is hard to read through the Bible. And if it's not your, your skill, like you would right. go to someone who is skilled to that you trust to interpret it for you. And, you know, you might build a nice place in the town for him to do that in. Like, it just makes sense that that would happen over time. But also these guys out front, they are also doing a holy thing because they're showing how to live by generosity alone, that it's possible, that it's possible to live by generosity alone. But they're, they chose that path is the way I interpreted that, you know? So it's like, because they called them mendicants. Not, not any other, not, not just random homeless people. Don't get me wrong. Uh, or there's these individuals described as mendicants or mendicants in general chose this path of, of ascetism of, of saying I should be harmed because I'm human because I've committed original sin or whatever their basis of doctrine is for it. Or maybe they're showing the example of this is how living by generosity, generosity does exist. That's how I chose Would to Would Jesus it. have been considered a mendicant then? Since he so. was, yeah, that's so interesting. Okay. I like yeah. that thought process. That's but totally different. Was, yeah. And, and it, it was that word just stuck out to me so much. And I was like, 
it feels, you know, resonant. So I'm like, let me research it. And it just like of the mendicants orders and there's three of them and they do it on purpose. Or, I mean, they do it. <laughs> I make it sound so pointed. It's hard for me to talk like diplomatically. No, I get it. It's the, it's to me, it correlates. If we're going to correlate that back in with witchcraft, it goes in with the principal mindset of everybody kind of chose the reality that they were going to be in based off of paying off karmic debt or whatever. And you choosing the life path that you were going to be taking. And then that's where your life path numbers and your numerology and stuff come into play. And I feel like that's kind of controversial, but to be honest with you, that is my operating perspective. And uh, the question doesn't become, why would I choose pain? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the question becomes, right? It's not like, it's literally that it's go further though, because it's, people go, why would you choose pain? It hurts. And then they stop. And I'm like, no, why would you? No, keep going. Why would you choose that pain? Why would a soul choose that pain? If you can operate from outside of your own perspective, why would a soul choose that pain? And you can kind of see in some places where you were, but don't get me wrong because Providence is a thing because I promise you I've been casting money magic and I still don't have a castle. So it's like, <laughs> but you also have yeah, to deal but with- are you, but are you casting abundance magic where you're- Oh man, I've done so many crazy stuff. So at this point I have a spreadsheet that defines literally what my abundance is to the number. I've got docs. I'm like, there's no way y'all can misunderstand me at this point. I've got uh, a whole library of sigils that I cast like its own language. Like it, and I just keep dialing in more and more. But what I figured out more and more is it's the belief, right? Because the whole thing is belief. And the entire structure of spellcraft is the operating perspective should be, what do I need to do to believe that this is true? And like, that's the physical action you take so that your body feels like you did it. And I don't think there's a limit to that. I feel like that's all jobs and everything. I think it's like the amount of effort feels justified for the reward that you get. And the amount of rewards you get based on your effort is all a matter of perspective and like what yeah. game difficulty you want to play on. Uh, <laughs> that being said, it's, 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 in your, it's in your subconscious. And a lot of times, it is generational. Like I come from a, a poor family, you know? So it's like, it's, it's a lot of the mentalities that like when people are like mad about not rich people, but just like upper middle-class people. And they're like, so snobby, they eat out all the time, stuff like that. And it's like, bro, if you could afford it, you would like, <laughs> don't lie. Like, oh, they just order black car service. And then like factor in neurodivergency too. And it's like, oh yeah, they probably eat out all the time because of the fucking kitchen stresses them out. You know, you don't know. And now they can afford to do that accommodation. It's like you, you're the people that say that kind of stuff are mad because they can't afford to do it. But it's like, so there's, there's an element of providence too. And I feel like that's what if I could say both and is my wizard trinity is still is still there where it's like you have your will, you have what there is, and then what comes out of it is a totally new thing. Like, yeah. and it's it's if, that's why they stress doing art, I think so much too, because you have an idea in your mind of a painting and then you have the paint and you have the canvas, but like it never, it will never be. The, the way, way you that you're talking about this right now, I was just talking yesterday. I have this whole book idea in my mind and I can perfectly see my entire storyline. I can see the clear description of everything when it comes to writing down the details of what's in my brain. That's where I'm like, that's going to take such a special skill set from me that I haven't utilized before and a different gift of communication. And so, yeah, I, I totally align with what you're saying. 
it's it's and there's there's a I mean, you know, I hear shit in my head, but they're stressing. Yeah, it's the to releasing to that flow, because like uh, the thing they always comment on with masters paintings is confident brush strokes. That's the yes. that's the phrase they keep throwing out there, because like once you've done this one enough, you know, like the brush makes this shape. And if I just keep using the brush this way, it's going to look cohesive throughout the fucking painting. So you, you're confident at that point. But it took all those like, what does this brush do <laughs> to get to that point? So it's like, that's the training. And then the confident brush stroke is the casting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been so fucking dope. I, one, I want to thank you for reaching out to me. Two, for coming on and opening up about your story. And then for three, for squirreling off into so many different sensitive topics with me. I appreciate. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. Yeah. Thanks for letting me. Cause yeah, straight up ratatosker all over the place. <laughs> Rat squirrel style for sure. <laughs> well, I loved it. Um, I'm going to be releasing your episode on Sunday. So if you could email me over some photos of yourself, any links, um, websites, whatever that you would like to have in the description, I urge everybody to follow all of the guests that come on the podcast, whether or not they resonate with the messages spoken. I think that it's important to, as long as somebody's not harmful, uh, following people of other viewpoints and just kind of following along. So I hope that you're, you get a bunch of new followers out of this and people learning your perspective of things and supporting you. I am so fucking grateful that I reached out to you because the way that you, you've got a whole community, a literal, it's funny, the eight of spades has come up a lot, a lot, a lot. And that is the coven, the coven card, the coven card, the group of spades. And so it's like, oh the flock of crows you know what i mean and it's just i feel kind of it's it's so cool so i'm just thankful that you had me and that i even felt the urge to fucking reach out and that you received me so well and then this turned out so great so yeah absolutely thank you you yeah that that all makes me so happy you're welcome thank you again and i just hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day you too <laughs> thank you peace bye